All right, everybody, what are we having? 12-sided guys, 12-sided guys, 12-sided guys, 12-sided guys. Okay, 12-sided guys all around. We have Matt as Pine. Hi. Scott as Joff. That's me. Jordan as Ebby. Salutations. Sabrina as Nari. Hey there. And me, Paul, as one of the guys with a new tattoo inspired by D&D. Can anyone guess who the other one is? Welcome back. We hope you've been enjoying our escapades to the city of Arkleview so far. If you want to support us, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash 12sidedguys. That's one, two sided guys. You can get some cool content and maybe we can get some snacks. Also, consider leaving a review and a rating on your podcasting app so that others can find us easier. It helps out more than you think. Anyway, if you fell asleep on an Incan ship of gold and woke up on a boat surrounded by skeletal remains, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 26. Sabrina, that donut. Oh, uh, uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Jordan, the other tattoo is me. Oh. <laughs> I saw the picture, actually, dude. That's rad. Thank you. Yeah, we're Paul and I are matchy-matchy. It yes. looks super cool. <laughs> it's a twin thing, also for our 29th birthday. 20, 20, 29th? <laughs> yeah, 29th. Okay. It's our 29th I just wanted birthday. to make sure I heard you right. You darn millennials. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure in an earlier episode, I, I, I sold myself out. So I said I was a 40 year old white guy, but at the time I was only 39. Now I am 40. So, all right, Nari and the boys, you guys have just finished exploring the library of Lady Cadriel, uh, the secret library beneath the library of Lord Cadriel. Um, you met Horton, the librarian down there. He helped you find some books help you find some information. You guys found a lot of random uh, cool things like, I don't know, a globe that uh, seemed to be missing the glass mountains for some reason. Um, You also found uh, a book all about the cult of inevitability. You found um, another book written in Allele and another book that will help you learn Allele. And even Joff, you found a book written by Horton himself that Uh, explains a little bit about your lineage, the lineage of the family Bayard, which has been the royal family of Everlyn up until five years ago when Everlyn became the Arkleview province. After you left the library with these new books, all tucked safely away in the haversack being carried by Pine, as you were crossing the plaza out in front of the library, um, near the parliament building as well, a, a carriage was moving through the streets and a familiar face peeked out and called Nari over, uh, at least a familiar face to Nari. Uh, In the carriage was a dark-haired, tan-skinned, beautiful, mature woman, voluptuous breasts. (laughs) Maybe I should say that. (laughs) Uh, Snakey tail. Uh, She entered the scene boobily. (laughs) (laughs) Nari recognized Aaliyah Brava, the former leader of the Rose Syndicate, um, and maybe the current leader of the Rose Syndicate. Who knows? Um, She was in a wagon or in a carriage, and she motioned Nari over. Nari got into the carriage. They started discussing what had been going on. Aaliyah asked if Nari knew where Nilla or Ember were, and Nari very convincingly 
lied. I'm kidding. It was, it was a terrible. white lie. <laughs> it was a white lie. Aaliyah Brava grabbed you by the hand, looked you in the eye and said that your life depended on your answers. And that's where we are at this moment. So the boys, you guys are all outside. You saw Nari get into this carriage um, with a woman that you don't know who she is. Um, Nari closed the door and is in the wagon. The wagon is currently moving at a very slow pace, easy enough for you guys to keep up with. It's not, it's not quick going here in the city of Arkleby. There's a lot of traffic. Basically, Aliyah Brava traveling by carriage is more of a statement of status uh, and um, and comfort than it is of speed. Um, so, what I need, Nari, can you make a wisdom save for me? Whoa, like right off the bat. Oh, man. No, this is not making me feel good. <laughs> okay. Uh, 12. Okay. Um, Nari, can you make another wisdom save for me? This time with disadvantage. Yikes. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> eight. Okay. Oh, no. Okay, the boys. As you guys see Nari get into this carriage, the carriage is moving slowly. There's um, a, a coach driver sitting on the top of the wagon, um, slowly like calling out, asking people to move, actually telling people to move. He's got a whip. He keeps cracking it over the head of the horses and over the heads of people um, saying, make way, make way. But nobody's really paying any attention. Um, you, I'm, Are you guys following the carriage? Because it's just slowly kind of heading, um, it's heading west kind of past Parliament, um, more towards like um, Eberly Park and Eberly Manor, and even onward towards the, the castle, Mason's Keep, as well as towards the richer side of town. So Pine would be following, yeah, but um, if it's, you know, slow going, he also might be uh, keeping an eye out for, you guessed it, skipping rocks. <laughs> this is the All first right. time Joff has seen you look for skipping rocks. Oh yeah, oh, he's got he's got like this whole like technique down. So watch okay. and learn from a master. So make a make a roll. There are there are cobbles here. You could probably find something that would work. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, like a uh, investigation. Yeah, it's a two. <laughs> you trip <laughs> on a perfect skipping rock. It goes skipping <laughs> off into the gutter, and you don't know where it is. No. Can, can Joff give him advantage? Yes. Yes, you can. <laughs> okay, so okay. rolling again, that's a 15. Is that, what's, what is, uh, what's Pine's rating on that? Is that good enough to keep? Well, it's good enough to keep and let somebody else use later instead of me. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, let's say you trip on the rock, it pops up and Joff catches it like, um, you know, Jack Burton style. <laughs> if nobody knows what I'm talking about, then you all need to go watch Big Trouble in Little China. It's all in the reflexes. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So Joff will hand the, the stone to Mr. Pine and say, you almost tripped on this. What's my technique? Oh. I told you I have this whole this whole system. So you make Thank him, you, Joff. Thank you. You make them jump in the air like that? Well, I'm testing their air, wind, speed, velocity. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing uh, pine i've never seen you do that before well not ever not once <laughs> that's amazing Abby, <laughs> are you following as well i guess everyone's kind of following the wagon yeah or the cart the carriage all right yeah after a couple of minutes like two and a half minutes the carriage slows the door opens 
and Nari gets out. And um, the carriage, Nari closes the door and the carriage pulls away. And um, I feel like I might have been charmed or something. So, Nari, you you were called over because somebody recognized you. But then you you realize once you got into the cart or into the wagon that you didn't know who they were. It was a, it was just a mistake, a mistaken identity. So you shared a little laugh and then uh, you, now you're on your way. Gotcha. All right. Well, that was uh, my mistake, guys. I, I thought that that was someone I knew, but uh, turns out it was a stranger. That's pretty shocking because she's kind of a unique looking person, but. How embarrassing. She had, um, she had bright blonde hair. She was um, an older woman with lots of wrinkles. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I got, I don't know how I got her and um, my old co-conspirator mixed up, I guess. Actually, I guess just being Nari, in the city. Oh, I, do Nari, I not even remember anything? You don't even remember that, no. Oh. Do you often climb into random carriages? Do you not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess only when I'm chasing someone. All right. So, uh, you guys are back out in the plaza. Well, <laughs> now that Nari's out of the carriage, can we go back to the, to the hotel and get some dinner? Well, I'm not exactly hungry for food, but I sure wouldn't mind catching up on a little bit of reading, if you know what I mean. We, uh, we did talk about maybe doing a spa day. At a hammam, right? We also wanted to see the gardens. And see the gardens. Well, what, what'll it be? Right now, it's probably, you guys were in the library for quite some time doing a lot of, like, research and studying um, <laughs> with Horton. A lot of puzzle solving. And reshelving. <laughs> a lot of puzzle solving. Um, yeah, so it's probably around 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. So the sun is going down. Um, it's starting to get kind of twilight-ish. Well, maybe not quite yet. But you can see the sun is, is starting to descend towards the horizon. Remind me, Paul, from that flyer that we had found about going to the gardens, um, wasn't it like to go at nighttime or something or? So you actually, you have it in your hand. So you actually pull it back out and um, you read it. And what it says is with autumn upon us, flowers sleep underground awaiting a time when they can bloom in the sun once more. Although the roses may be wilted, the gardens in Eberly Park are still the most beautiful in the city. Come stroll around the park, enjoy the multiple gardens and consider donating to the Arkelvy City Guild of Gardeners, formerly the Royal Gardeners Guild. Oh, okay. I was hoping it would say something about like, take a stroll in the moonlight or something, something to indicate a time of day that would be good to to drop in there. Can Joff take a read at it? Because I don't think um, I've read it yet. You see Ebby reading this paper. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ebby, can I have a look real quick? Oh, yes, of course. I'll go ahead and hand it over to him. Okay. As, as Joff glances over it, he looks at the group and he says, I think we might have to go and donate to this organization. Perhaps they might be the next step in finding the roses. The um, Arkelvy Guild of Gardeners or something. Yes. I think if we can find the Guild of Gardeners and make the right donation, they'll lead us the way. Hmm. Nori, was there, is there a number that you can think of that was um, associated with the Rose Syndicate? I was just gonna. Uh, I was just gonna ask Paul if I would uh, have an idea who this Guild of Gardeners are. They sound pretty important. Well, why don't you make a, a history check, or you can do history, or you can just do basic intelligence. I got a three. You have never heard of the Arkelvy City Guild of Gardeners in association with the Rose Syndicate ever. Okay, I I have no idea who they are. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure it wouldn't be difficult to find out. We could easily probably ask someone. 
They sound relatively official. Probably somewhere near the gardens, I'd assume. Their offices. But, um, the other question I had for you, Nari, is there a number that maybe, like, we, if we donated, let's say, 69 silver, that, that would be the, <laughs> the signal that we know what's up? I believe it's 420 <laughs> copper is what you're oh, looking yes, for. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes 420 I... copper leads to 69 silver. Hi-oh. I, I was, <laughs> was going to say 666 copper, but maybe... Maybe that's not the right number. I uh, hmm. make the sign of the cross and like uh, protect myself against the evil eye. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's the plan? Well, we didn't eat lunch today, so I think I think we should definitely get some food. <laughs> yes. And and, and um, Nari would know that the gardens don't close, so they're open all night long. You can go stroll them anytime you want. Right. And when we were meeting with um, my former contacts, we would always meet at night. So I think that that's probably the best time to go anyway. Right. So then how about this? Dinner, a little bit of reading, back maybe back at our, our, our hotel. And then once the sun sets, we make our way toward this guild of gardeners. That sounds like a good idea. So you guys are heading back to the Imperial Splendor Inn? Mm, yes. Easy enough. It's pretty close. So you guys just kind of take the path that you already took just in reverse. Um, When you guys came to the library, you guys are taking the same path back. You see this large, uh, formidable building that is the inn known as the uh, Imperial Splendor Inn, formerly the King's Mercy Inn, I think is what we had found out with the the old paint on the wall. Um, It looks like um, it's not there's there's you hear music coming out through the windows and through the doorway, um, but it's not. Um, raucous and really loud yet. It seems more like this is kind of uh, a prelude or like uh, the um, background music right now for kind of the dinner hour. And then the shows will start later. I mean, you you really missed a, a, a real banger of a show when you didn't come see Tedward. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You still reek of the, the woods. I think my decision was nice. Well, good point. <laughs> Matt, I just got I just want to say I really appreciate you um saying how great Tedward is over and over and over again. It really makes me feel <laughs> it's pretty because good. It's, you know why it is. Paul, it's because I want him to come back because I want you to do more songs. Oh no, he's coming back. He will be back. <laughs> Even if we didn't like him. Even if you didn't like him. No. Okay. Well, very Fantastic. good. Okay. You make a good point though, Joff. Maybe I'll swing by the baths before I begin my research. Yeah, I think I would appreciate that. Oh, Pine, I may head up to your room, if that's okay with you. Oh, yes. And, unless, of course, Joff, if you need someone to help study with you, you know. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you can... need a study companion? Or if you want to, I mean. Study buddy. You don't. <laughs> we can... Not that I'm saying anything. You know, it's not that I mean, you know, whatever. Well, you know, do with it what you will. <laughs> I mean, we can sit next to each other. Ebby's like digging his toe into the ground and looking at the ground and like (laughs) (laughs) hands are clasped behind his back. Like, I mean, I do you mean like read the pages at the same time? Well, I mean, you know, it's always just nice to have a companion sometimes. Never mind. You know, it's if we're learning new languages, we'll need to like cross reference texts and stuff. It'll probably go faster if we have more people on it. That, That makes sense. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah, we we can all meet up in my room and and study. Are you oh, 
Yes, all of us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So, I feel compelled to say, Ebby has no sexual motivation going on here. Um, he's a robot devoid <laughs> of those kind of uh, urges, if you will. Um, so the whole concept of that is really foreign to him. So it's not like an attraction to to Joff in that way, but it's that Joff has always been kind of the hardest to win over of the group. And so Ebby has like this kind of weird emotional infatuation with trying to connect with Joff even more. <laughs> so, so Joff just rolled a 25 on insight to try and understand the motives of Ebby. <laughs> I think that's got to be high enough for you to deduce, um, you know, kind of where he's coming from. It's yeah. like it's like a child, like a younger brother that's like constantly pestering the older brother okay. in a sort of way where it's like, what you up to? Is it OK if I come and sit in your room with you for a little bit or <laughs> oh, you want to be a CFF? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. kind of that. Yeah. yeah. So, so Joff will pick up on that and, and and say, "Yeah, you guys you guys are all welcome to my room. Why don't we uh why don't we see if we can take dinner to go if you will and we can we can all read while we're eating." Well, here, why do you why do you head back to the hotel? Take the haversack. It has the uh it has the the literature in it. Um and I'll go find my way to a bath. I won't take too long. I'll I'll grab some food when I get back in and hopefully I don't miss too much of the research. <laughs> Well, scout out a good uh, a good bathhouse because I might want to take a morning and and get a really good soak. Good spa day. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> would you right. would you rust? Probably. I don't know. I don't think soaking would be a very good thing for me to do. Hmm. Well, I don't know, Abby. You're you're still in pretty excellent shape for considering how old you are. Well, thank you so much. You know. <laughs> Flattery is just the the heart of chivalry. Hey, um, Abby, make a uh, make an insight check. <laughs> well, don't mind if I do. Ooh, nat twenty for a twenty four. Okay, so Abby, you know that you have done things to your body um, that have not. Okay, how, how should I put this? Right now, since we begun, <laughs> since we began this campaign, that sounded really bad. It did, it did, and I was like, I held in a number of comments that I really wanted to make. <laughs> Ebby, don't go blind. <laughs> <laughs> so no, okay. So Ebby, you have taken damage. You have hurt yourself before, and in this campaign so far, there's been a lot of like magical healing. But you know that you have like you've hurt yourself pretty good, dented plates and things like that, and you know that you heal. Your body does heal. And you have actually put yourself in situations that should have had you, any normal metal rusted out completely. And yet you, your body seems to, um, seems to recover from things like that. So even though you do have a metal, a metal skin, a metal carapace, um, it acts more like flesh than it does like a, like a robot. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, that's a valid point. Yeah. So Just a I, heads up. I may, you know, perhaps if we can find a bathhouse or a bath that's a little bit more, of course, private, perhaps I may join you all in that. Well, if you could feel the rain, like we talked about in the forests, maybe you could get underneath one of the showers or 
or spigots and and it's an interesting sensation to have the water come at you that fast interesting yes i wonder what that would be like was this a here are you all coming now i i'm really hungry still okay all right but i i could hold off if if we want to go and soak for a few hours it's okay private time for pine <laughs> don't go blind <laughs> <laughs> Pine will just wander off. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, Pine, you wander off um, in one direction. We'll come back to you in a second. Um, Nari, Ebby, and Joff, you head into the Imperial Splendor. You see this large open space. You see trestle tables. You see um, some round tables off to the side. You know that sometimes they'll actually move these trestle tables out of the way um, to make room for dancing, that kind of thing. Um, but right now, it seems like dinner is in full swing um you can find a table um to yourselves uh if you if that's what you want or you can join people up at the bar kind of depends on what you want to do ebby is going to actually he's going to turn to the other two and say would it be okay if i were to borrow a room key and go retire for the evening um of course i'm not going to be able to eat anything so i may just go get a head start on some of the, the studying yeah of course Joffle hand over his key. Okay, cool. I'm going to head up and um, while they eat, what I want to do is that ring of abjuration magic that I found down there. I want to see if I can take some time to like study that. Um, I probably don't have enough time to attune to it, but if I could figure out what it is that would or gain any other insight would be cool. Yeah, cool. It, it will take about an hour to uh, to if you're going to attune to something that needs to be attuned. It takes about an hour, I do believe. Got it. Cool. Um, okay, so, Ebby, um, you head upstairs uh, to the third floor where your guys' rooms are, and you go into uh, uh, Joff's room to uh, begin checking out this ring. Uh, Nari and Joff, you guys are downstairs, and um, you guys find a table. As you're sitting, a server comes up and asks what you want for dinner. What What do you have on the menu today? Uh, we have a nice stew. We have some chicken. We have some pork. We have some bread. We have some fish. I take a whole chicken and a, a pint of ale. Well, all right. How about How about we see what they have? Maybe we can find something a little bit more refined than ale. There is. A, they have a nice selection of wines. He brings out a wine list, actually. I forgot who I'm dining with. Excuse me. <laughs> Joff will look at the wine list and pretend like he knows what he's looking at and pick <laughs> one of the middling expensive ones. Good. And I will be the DM who pretends like I know what I'm talking about when I talk about wine. <laughs> he says, yes, a fine choice. That will go very well with chicken. Perfect. <laughs> I'll, have an... <laughs> I'll, have, I'll have the chicken then and some bread. <laughs> I do have a companion that he checked in at the same time as we did this morning, and he's going to be dining a little bit later. Um, Why don't you get him the same thing that I ordered, and if you could have it delivered to his room in, say, three hours? Um, I'm I'm sure we can do that, and he kind of holds out his hand, like rubbing his fingers together. Okay. Uh, um, How much would you need for that? Oh, uh, what do you mean? He's just waiting for any kind of tip. Oh. Joff will pass over to Silver. Okay. He says, of course. 
All right. Very good. You and Nari sit down and start. Uh, they, they bring out your drinks first and it takes a while for the chicken and the bread to come. Um, it comes with some cheese as well. Um, a nice white kind of uh, strong, like a Roquefort. Is, it, is that what it's called? Roquefort? Yeah, a Roquefort. It's a sheep cheese. Ro- Roquefort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a nice, a nice sheep cheese. Um, mm-hmm. And it actually goes really well with the red and or white wine that you guys have too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, did, Nari, did you get the wine too, or did you stick with your ale? No, I actually looked him dead in the eye, and I was like, "I'll take a." I looked Joff dead in the eye, and I was like, "I'll take a PBR, please." <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Awesome. Is there anything you guys wanted to talk about or discuss about your adventures in the library or anything else while the two of you were together having dinner? So you walked into that wagon and I don't, there was nothing more to it. You entered it as if you knew the person and you stayed in for a lot longer time than I would have expected had you not known the person. I would imagine if, if I walked into a wagon and it was a stranger they would immediately push me out. So Nari's going to kind of blush and look, because she's pretty embarrassed that she would do that. That's not really mm-hmm. like her. Um, so she'll kind of blush and uh, say, I'm not exactly, I'm not exactly sure who I thought it was. I, I don't even know many old women in the city, but I thought she had said my name or something. And I, I just, I don't remember exactly. Uh, Exactly what we talked about, but it was not the person who I thought it was. So it was it was my mistake. And then Nari, you after you finish saying this, you you take a swig of your PBR. And at that moment, exactly one hour has passed and you spit out your PBR and you realize I was charmed. Like clear as day, I was charmed. And that's all right. I'm going to slam my drink on the counter then. Now, the only thing that you know is that you were charmed. It was still an old lady with long blonde hair and lots of wrinkles. I think I was charmed. What What do you mean? Like, that old woman that you didn't know charmed you? I believe so. I don't know. I don't know who she is, but that could be part of the charm as well. I don't, huh. I don't remember ever seeing her before, but that explains it. I would not get in a cart with a stranger. I knew I wouldn't do that. That, yeah. that would be insane. I mean, you'd at least want to see them first. Right. I. Yeah. Now, well, now, real quick, did you did you describe her as an old lady, Nari, just now to Joff? I think so. Yeah. OK, Joff, you did not see an old lady in that carriage. You saw a very attractive, dark haired woman, hair so dark, it's almost blue. Very like a mature beauty, almost like a. The only thing I can, this is going to sound so Boobly? stupid. No, I was going to say like, like Jane Seymour-esque from like medicine, uh, medicine woman days. Okay. Okay. You know, okay, just yeah. like she's, she, you can tell that she was a very, very beautiful woman in her, in her younger days. And that, that beauty has only ripened. So did Joff hear the woman call Nari's name? Um, I don't make a, uh, make a, what's your pre- passive perception? 17 or something like that? Yes. Yeah, then yeah, you, you would have heard somebody call out Nari. And you saw the head appear in the wagon um, when she went in and, and got in okay. the wagon. Or got in the, in the carriage. I'll say, Nari, that woman called your name and you entered the wagon. She was not old. And then I'll proceed to describe her as you have dark hair, mm-hmm. attractive, um, 
I think uh, I believe I said woman. voluptuous breasts. I think was another Volupt- thing. I said. Oh, did I see the the breasts <laughs> through the window of the wagon? <laughs> yes, actually, you could. <laughs> they are that voluptuous. Well, yeah, Jeff might not have been paying attention to that. I know those True. breasts anywhere. That sounds like my old boss. <laughs> but but that's not who you saw. That's not who you were talking to in the wagon. No, it was it was an old it was an older woman. She she, she had blonde hair, as as I remember. But you, the woman I described sounds familiar to you. Yeah, she. It sounds similar to, um, well, my old confidant in the Rose Syndicate, the one who gave me instructions. Would she have any reason to charm you? Or, or don't you two get along? I mean, I would hope so. Did you end things poorly like you did with that fellow from the Lazy Leg? No, no, no. Uh, I thought she was dead, so I would have been very happy to see her. Um, But who knows if it was even her? Maybe, I mean, maybe you were charmed as well. Hmm. And and they are giving different different impressions of, of themselves to different people. I don't know. Well, this is, this is strange. Um, something was done to you in that wagon. So, Nari, how do, you, how do you feel knowing that somebody messed with your mind? I'm feeling a little violated, to be honest, and embarrassed. Uh, I, was, I was feeling embarrassed because I thought I hopped in the wagon, but now I'm feeling a little bit more justified in that. Yeah. Okay. Well, All right. if if you knew her in the Rose Syndicate, perhaps when we go and search them out, we can get some answers as to what happened. I hope so. I hope she's still alive, but I just I don't know why she would why she would charm me. I don't know what she would want from me. I don't know anything. All right, you guys eat your meal in I guess relative silence, thinking now, pondering what just happened out in the plaza. Ebby, you are upstairs in Joff's room going through his things, trying on his clothes. No, I'm just kidding. You have <laughs> that ring. It's a, it's, it looks like it's made out of marble. Um, and as I recall, it looked so, um, so uh, realistic, like it fit that statue down in the basement of, uh, of the library so well that it was hard to tell that it was actually separate from the statue, but it is a marble ring. As you play around with it and everything, you kind of put it on. You, I, I'm, I, are you going to put it on? Are you going to try to figure out what it is? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think okay. why not? Okay. All right. Um, I am pretty sure that at this point, um, believe it or not, you, um, after about an hour playing around with it, you have what's called a ring of evasion. So the ring has three charges, and every day at dawn, it regains 1d3 charges. Um, basically what that does is every time you fail a dexterity saving throw while you're wearing it and attuned to it, you can use your reaction to expend one of its charges and then you succeed on that saving throw. Wow. So it's, it's, it allows you to save on dexterity, um, saving throws. That's amazing. It is. It is really good. (laughs) It is really good. Um, all right. I think there was, wasn't there a natural 20 to find it as well? I think so. I think Ebby got a couple natural 20s in that episode. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. Oh, anyway, so that's what you are doing. You now have a ring of evasion. So now you are currently attuned to it because you had to put it on and attuned to it to um, to figure out what it was, um, risking the, the possibility of a cursed ring. Um, so that's how you spend your next hour. Um, Pine. 
you are walking down the street. Um, you ask a couple people uh, if there's any baths nearby, and you get somebody saying, "Yeah, uh, go to go to Banders Baths. Banders Baths are great." Um, and he kind of points you down the road, and you come to uh, this building that is. It must be Banders Baths. As you are standing outside of this um, this building, it's um, it looks a lot like all the other. Um, buildings, except for it's only one story. A lot of the other buildings around it are two-story. Um, and you can see there are like uh, pipes and chimneys coming up uh, from the from the building, uh, just pouring out smoke and steam. And uh, the sign in front of the, of the door says Banders Baths. As you stand there, just to give you kind of a layout, this building actually, to enter the front door, the front door is actually sunken down. You actually have to go down a flight of stairs that goes down like, so your head would be level with the street. Um, and that's where the front door is. So like going into Cheers. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're going into Cheers. Thank you. Yes, exactly. I walk in and everybody goes, Pine. <laughs> yeah, they all know your name. Okay, awesome. So are you going to head on in? Well, of course. Does it smell like sandalwood? I don't know what sandalwood smells like, but yes. Okay, all right. Then I'm going in. Okay, as you walk in, you're, you're, you come into this, uh, it's a, a large atrium kind of room. Um, it's got benches on the sides, uh, right by the front door. There's a big carpet in the middle. Um, you see a door to your left and a door to your right, but standing in front of you, um, kind of at ease, you see this older gentleman. He is Barastian. He stands about six feet tall. His skin is covered in scales. He has uh, some horns coming out of the back of his head. He, his scale color is kind of a, a yellow, um, kind of a yellow tan color. They don't really glint like metallic or anything like that. They're just, they just look like scales. Um, but he's got like a, like kind of a goatee and mustache. Um, and the hair is white. Um, and you can tell that he looks like he is, um, he is a mature man, not quite as mature as you, um, age wise, but he is an older gentleman. And as you walk in, he says, Oh, welcome to Bander's Baths. Oh, thank you. Yes, I am looking for some relaxation after a few weeks on the road. He says, oh, well, of course, I. you've come to the right place. Now, are you bathing alone? Would you like a, a private bath or would you um, like to be in the communal bath? Or give me one of those Turkish ones. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Actually, those are usually like steam baths, aren't they? But they're communal. It's like, um, I'm fine spending some time with other people. Okay. Well, if you'll come this way and follow me, and he takes you, so as you enter the door um, to the right, uh, he, he takes you through the door to the right. And as you go through the door to the right, you see you're in this hallway um, with carpets along the uh, along the, the the floor. And to your left, you see a couple of different uh, like alcoves, little, little uh, changing rooms with curtains. And he motions you to the first one. Uh, and he says, if you wouldn't please put your things in there. Um, there is a lock there that you can lock your things in there to make sure that they stay safe. All right. So Pine will Pine will head in and he's just going to strip down, lock all of his stuff out and then just come out. Yeah. Well, OK, there's a towel <laughs> on the back side of the uh, of the wall. So he'll throw that towel over his shoulder and come out <laughs> just like at the gym. <laughs> old man in the dressing room. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the old guys in the dressing room with the towel over the shoulder who then goes and sits on the bench. Bare butt, right? <laughs> that guy? Yep, that guy. Oh, man. Uh, right. Legs spread wide. Yep. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So Bander, um, he when you walk out, he he's a little um, not taken aback, but he, his eyes get a little wide, and he says, "Oh, um, uh, uh, sure, of course." Now, just so you're aware, uh, good sir, this is uh, this is coed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I I don't mind if you don't mind. Uh, if you follow uh, well, me, please. So so uh, Pine will put the towel around him. I think he caught what the guy was saying, so he'll put the towel around himself, and mm-hmm. then uh, follow. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, he takes you around. So as you go kind of around the uh, perimeter of this building, there's a hallway that kind of wraps around the side. Um, and then you can see as you um, as you uh, turn a corner, you can see actually kind of steam coming out from the end of the hallway. Um, and he takes you into this large room. And you can see the center of the room is a big pool just with steaming water in it. There's actually a lot of steam in this room in general. Um, and, uh, it looks like, um, when you take your towel off, it's still relatively private just because there's so much steam in the air. Um, but if you get close to people, um, you'll probably be able to see through the steam. Um, as it is, you can tell there's a couple of figures in the pool. And then if you look to the right, you see a couple of doors along the, um, the right side, which you assume are private baths. Um, and then, um, straight across the pool, you see there's another like little hall and then a, then a door at that end as well. Okay. Can we say that the steam is like really thin censoring, like in bad, like anime? <laughs> like, <laughs> Basically. Like thin, thin lines of steam censoring everybody's private parts. Basically. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. So you can see that there are, um, there is a, some people here in the pool. Um, there's some benches around the perimeter of this large pool area. Bander says, so the communal pool will be fine for you or would you like one of the private rooms to the side? Oh, no, no. Communal's fine. And I'll put my towel on the bench and just go make my way down the stairs. Uh, okay. Again, I, actually, I did. I forgot to mention, I do have my cane with me, but I'm going to set it with my towel. Okay. Perfect. And then at my brand, my new hickory one. Nice. Okay. Perfect. Well, Bander leaves you to it. He says, feel free to soak as long as you want, but don't stay in too long. Um, at your age, uh, we wouldn't want to have to fish you out. Hey. I'm, I'll, I, I'll have you know that I walked across a river just two weeks ago. I'm sure you did, sir. <laughs> I'm sure you did. <laughs> and then he, he leaves and goes back to the uh, back to the front room. Um, so here you are. You're naked. You're bathing. So you can... I mean, there's there's some people in here um, just kind of hanging out and relaxing. You see a little conversation going on in one corner. Um, and other than that, you can just sit here and soak. You can talk to people around you. You can do whatever you want. I think Pine would just, um, he would be sitting, he would be listening. Um, and then he'd make periodically make his way to different different places in the pool or in the, in the bath to see if anything interesting is being uh, talked about, but mostly just kind of observing. I mean, not, 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 not leering, <laughs> just observing. <laughs> I mean, you see, you see, there's like a couple they're talking and they're kind of like flirting with each other a little bit, but not like overtly, you know, um, college hot tub type of flirting. Oh, yes. Um, and then, um, you see that in the corner, like opposite you by himself, you see this kind of slender man. He's kind of, it looks like he's just kind of drumming his fingers on the, like he's sitting on the edge of the of the pool with his arms up on the outside. One finger, uh, one hand, the fingers on one side, on the other side, he's drumming uh, slightly different. Um, and just as you're watching, it looks kind of um, almost like rhythmic and musical. Um, and as you are kind of watching that, I want, what is your passive perception? Uh, passive is only 10. No, no, 13. So it's 13. 13. 
Okay, it's not hard to um, to, to to see this. Um, as you are sitting there, kind of watching this thin man drumming on the cement, you see another man come walking along behind you, along um, kind of the wall that has the the doors to the to the private rooms. And he walks along. Um, the thing you notice about him is he is not in a towel. He is fully dressed, and he goes walking around the pool. And then he, I remember I told you that as you entered, there was one room or one door across. Um, directly across the way. Mm-hmm. He goes to that short hallway and he goes in the door and closes the door behind him. Okay. And he did, did okay. he look like he maybe worked here? Um, with your passive perception of 13, no. Oh. Okay. He looked he was dressed, he was dressed like um Bander was dressed nicely, but like in like a in like soft robe, very comfortable, very but also a little bit uh not ostentatious, but but well made. This guy was just wearing street clothes, like um, just normal, um, everyday middle class man clothing, complete right. with like boots and stuff. Bander had like a had uh, like uh, sandals on. And by the way, it is warm in this building, so it's autumn out every outside. But this building is nice and warm. It's very humid in here. Okay. All right. Well, then I'll make my way to that side of the of the tub to see if I can maybe hear something through the door or. Okay. All right. Um, are you going to get out of the water? Because it is about 15 feet from the edge of the tub to that door that he I went I will through. go sit on a bench. By the, Is there a bench by the door? I'll go sit on there it. Is. There yeah, is. Okay. I'm going to do the old man thing on the bench. Okay. Um, as you get out, kind of butt naked with no towel, the thin man who was drumming on the concrete or on the uh, on the tile, he kind of glances over at you uh, askance and then... Um, he gives me a big thumbs up and is like, <laughs> you know, hey, doing pretty good for how old you are. <laughs> no, he says he kind of shakes his head, but he's got a, he's got a, a grin um, on his face. Um, and then he goes back to just kind of drumming on the tile. OK, so you can sit on this bench and listen at the door. Um, but uh, I want you to make a perception check. The difficulty is going to be high because you are listening through like a solid door. OK, here I go. Oh, I was in that one. So I got a four. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as you're kind of trying to listen, you can all you can really hear is kind of uh, almost like the rhythmic tapping of that thin guy's fingers on the tile um, just over and over and over again. Um, It's it's kind of distracting you a little bit. Okay. Oh, do I dare chance it? I'm completely naked and on it. And nah, it's just it's just it's weird. It's probably like a drug deal or something (laughs) has nothing to do with me. So I'll go get back in the tub. You get back in the tub. Uh, okay. As you get back in the tub, that thin man who had been drumming his fingers on the tile, he kind of um, scoots over a little closer to you. And he says, um, he says to you, oh, what did you find so interesting back there? Oh, uh, there was a, um, there was a fully dressed man who went back there. I was just wondering if maybe there was some trouble. I don't know. I'm just a curious old man. There's not a lot going on in my life, you know, just puttering around and reading the paper and, and all that. So, he says, well, 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 Banders is very nice, but you, you still want to keep your nose out of other people's business here. Uh, I've, I've, I've come here quite a few times and I've, I've seen it not end well for people who, um, who try to uh, eavesdrop at that door. Really? Yeah. Hmm. What have you heard? Oh, no, I've, I've seen it. I've come seen on. people. You've listened. Whatever. Make a persuasion check. Uh, my persuasion will be a 22. He doesn't take much persuading at all. Like you say, oh, you've heard. And he goes, okay, shh. But just between you and me, I'm, I'm, 
I'm a curious fellow by by nature, and I don't know. I I saw something interesting, so I decided to go listen. Uh, and he kind of scoots a little closer to you and drops his voice very low. He says, "The black market, Ooh. crystals." Ah, oh. yes. I don't understand that crystal technology. It's, it's beyond me. Yeah, well, this is newly found crystal tech. They deal in it. Ooh. And you would know, Pine, that in the Almerian Empire, new found crystal tech um, is first dibs goes to the empire. Yeah. So. That's very interesting. Hmm. Dangerous. It's a dangerous game to be playing. Anyway, he holds out his hand and he shakes. He says, by the way, I'm, I'm Pender. Pender the poet. Oh, nice to meet you, Pender the poet. I'm, um, my name is, um, <laughs> my name is, um, Mr. Douglas. <laughs> oh, I thought it was Professor Oak. <laughs> oh, why don't you make a deception check real quick? Oh, uh, see. <laughs> a deception check. Uh, that's a 13. 13. Um, he winks at you and he says, okay, yeah, nice to meet you, uh, Mr. Douglas. <laughs> and then um, the two of you, unless there's something specific you want to talk about, you two kind of converse back and forth. Yeah. I like to ask him about some poems he's writing. Um, mostly so that um, you're going to have to come up with a poem on the spot. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear the poem. Yeah. Yes, and Paul. There once was a man from Nantucket. <laughs> I thought it was, uh, there once was a man from Arkelvy. He was in the baths, but he really had to pee. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's exactly where I was going with that. Not so much in the baths, but. Um, <laughs> he couldn't find his. No. Ta- ta- no. <laughs> I was trying to throw in anchovy somehow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I was going to say something about, about the, the, him being an old fellow and the water turning yellow. Oh, jeez. And now he's not inv- invited back to the bath. Something like that. Okay, anyway, yeah, so Pine, you and Pender kind of chat back and forth a little bit. Yep. Um, and then the bath is done, and we'll say everybody's hour uh, is kind of up. Uh, Pine, is there anything you wanted to talk uh, ask Pender specifically before you kind of finish up here at the baths? No, it'd just be small, small talk. Okay. Small talk. Okay. I, I probably wouldn't spend more than 20, 25 minutes in there. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so then after about an hour, you are come wandering back in. Um, Nari and Joff, you guys have finished up your meal. Um, Ebby, you have just attuned to this ring. All of a sudden, you feel like, I don't know, like extra dodgy, um, <laughs> if that's a thing. <laughs> All right, and uh, you guys can all kind of meet back up in um, in Joff's room. Well, as as he comes in, Pine will order some food to go up to his room. We already took care of that, dude. Oh, really? What did you order me? Yeah. Oh, I I ordered you, and I'll. I think I got the chicken and some wine, and some Something cheese and fancy. bread, and some cheese and some bread. The white or red pairs real <laughs> nice with the chicken. Hmm. No doubt about that. Man, white or red is so good with, <laughs> with pet poultry and, and game fowl. Perhaps the grapes are actually half red and half white. <laughs> we call that a rosé, I think. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Am I the only one that doesn't know anything about wine? I know nothing about wine. No. I'll have a sparkling white. Uh, okay. Fun fact. Sure thing. Fun fact, it's not called Champagne unless it comes from the region Champagne in France. I learned that at bartending school. <laughs> sure. 
And monkeys flew out of my butt. You guys all think that that Pine is going crazy because he's talking about places that don't exist. Uh, that was that was the Continental from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Oh, OK. OK. That, OK. That's also that's from right. uh, Wayne's World. Yeah, they, I think they redid it for, for Wayne's World. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> OK, you guys are up in Joff's room. <laughs> all right. You guys have a series of books. You guys have a let's see. There's ABC, Allele and Me. Um, you guys have the cult of inevitability. Um, you guys have um, the uh, overview of the royal line of Bayard. You guys have a random book written in allele. And you also have um, what you guys have been calling the Crystal Codex. Um, and then you also have one more book. Anybody know what the last book is that you guys have? It's the diary of that uh, priestess or priest, right? No, no. Think longer ago than that. Are you talking about the the random? Oh, wait, no. No, it is the spell book from Ramsey. Yes, you have Ramsey's right. spell book. All right. So you guys have a stack of books to uh, to look through. So what is everybody going to look through? Anybody who thought that the library episode was super exciting. Now we're doing the research episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pine will go ahead and look at the Cult of Inev- Inevitability by Librarian Jim. Okay, perfect. I think Nari would just start cross-referencing um, the allele language and trying to figure out uh, if they can match that up with the codex and stuff. Yeah, I th- I think what if Ebby pulls out the Crystal Codex and pairs up with Nari and we start trying to kind of do a little bit of some translation work. Perfect. Awesome. And then what are you going to be re- looking at, Joff? Um, uh, is this... Is allele a phonetic language? What? How are these languages written? Um, Phoenicianly? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is it a phonetic language? No, it's a, it's a, it's actually an alphabet you don't even recognize. Okay, so different yeah. sort of symbols than what yes. we're used to seeing. Okay, correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you couldn't even begin to pronounce the words because you don't know what the symbols actually sound like. Okay, that'll make it a lot harder. Yes, it will. Um, but you have your Royal Line of Bayard book if you wanted to look at that. Um, yeah, I'll, by I'll look Horton. at that. But as I walk in, I'll like pat Ebby on the head, like awkwardly, <laughs> and then sit down and start reading. Okay. Hi, Joe. How was dinner? Was it so good? What did you end up getting? Uh, um, <laughs> I had chicken, some wine and cheese. Awesome. Yep. And I'll, I'll pat him on the head again. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, dude. <laughs> All right. So um so okay, here's the deal. Um Joff, um for tonight, if you want to research that book, we'll say that we'll say that there's basically two parts of the book. Um there's uh there's a part that talks about like um the royal line, like trying to figure out your specific point part in the line. And then there's the other part that talks more about like the history of the Bayard family and kind of mysticism. So which section would you want to read tonight? I would probably start with history and mysticism. Okay. And then um, cult of inevitability um, by librarian gem pine. There are basically three sections of this book. Um, so the first section is like a historical look. The second section deals more with like today. And the third section is like um, hypotheses. Um, I'll just start at the beginning with the historical. Okay. 
we will um, do those first and then we will get to the allele studying. Okay, um, so mysticism for you, Joff, as you are reading through this book, an overview of the royal line of Bayard through 832 Almerian 45 by Brother Librarian Horton, um, Basically, you find that the Bayard line and mysticism, the family Bayard, uh, it ruled Everlyn for approximately 560 years, but due to gaps in the historical narrative, the exact date cannot be sure. Um, but even before coming to prominence, there is evidence that of the Bayard line having power, both political and mystical. Uh, legend speaks of the Bayard line coming forth from the union of a beautiful maiden from the area around Deep Lake, being spied upon by a crafty dragon who would watch her from afar, his love growing by the day. The dragon finally made his move, taking the form of a strong stalwart knight in an attempt to impress the young maid. It did not work. So the dragon tried a different form, a young bard, pleasing to the eyes and the ears. Again, failure. Finally, after numerous attempts, the dragon decides uh, decided to take on the form of a lowly fisherman, not in an attempt to woo her, but instead to get to know her and at least be close to her. Uh, imagine his surprise when it was the fisherman she fell in love with. They were wed, had children, and the story goes the dragon lived out his days as the fisherman, all to stay by his bride. Not until her deathbed was the truth revealed that he was actually a powerful dragon, to which she replied, I know, I always knew, but it was fun to watch you try to hide it. Um, so there's no doubt, um, according to this book, uh, that the Bayard line has a strong connection to some form of mystical or magical energy. It's been known to show up latently, latently in children from time to time, and many claim it's due to the lineage of the dragon. The truth of this is unknown, but seems unlikely. It's just another origin myth that gives uh, credibility to the Bayard claim to authority and power and creates awe and wonder in the small folk. So that's basically what you learn from your studying of the Bayard line and mysticism, sort of a family myth. Joff will close it and say, well, that's a whole lot of woolly ox shit. It comes out of a cloaca. <laughs> hey, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Pine, you start reading in The Cult of Inevitability by Sister Librarian Jem. I liked it. I, I didn't. I don't want you to feel offended. No, it's Sorry, okay. it's okay. I I I understand. I know that I'm good at what I do. I don't need your <laughs> validation. Okay. Um, so the first part of this book, it's a historical look at the cult of inevitability using uh, what spotty records are still around and available. So historical records and surviving artifacts tell of a belief of inevitability, which is that what will be will be regardless of people's puny attempts to alter the course of existence. It started out simple enough. For example, the, I, uh, the idea became popular that there was always someone watching out for you, a guardian angel that would protect you and make sure that your life was not one second shorter than it was predetermined to be. This gave many people hope and comfort, especially during trying times such as the death of a loved one. Over time, the belief grew, warped, and became something new. A small but growing group within the community began to break away, forming a new church, preaching inevitability in all things. Now, one example that Jem gives is mentioned in the book that spoke of sick people being denied medicine and healing, uh, as that was seen as an attempt to sway the inevitable. The belief of a guardian angel also became bloated and distorted into the idea of one angel, an angel of inevitability, who oversaw the entire world and kept things on track. Manifestations and signs of this angel began to appear, leading many to believe and join the cause for inevitability. It became so dire that battles were fought between the inevitability cult and the believers in free will. The record becomes spotty, but some event was on the cusp of occurring, and the two sides could not agree how to handle it. The cult of inevitability said to do nothing, and the followers of free will sought to change the course. Uh, again, battles were fought, that much is certain. One depiction found in a deep cavern beneath the Glass Mountains in northwest Almar province shows a winged humanoid battling two other humanoids, one with two swords and another with a massive shield. Uh, 
The being with the swords appears to be scoring a hit on the winged angel as the angel is countering with an attack of its own against the being holding the shield. The outcome of this world altering event is unknown as historical records stops at that point and then uh, does not pick up again for decades or even centuries. It's impossible to tell. And then even spottier than before. It's a long time before any kind of complete record is created, but the first complete record we have is over 2000 years old at this point. 2045 to be exact. So this world altering event would have occurred sometime before that. Awesome. And that's what you learn from the first part of Sister Gem's book, Sister Librarian Gem's book. So there is one more part of um, of the Bayard book, the family Bayard book that you can read tomorrow if you want to. Um, okay. Joff. And then there's two more parts for the cult of inevitability. Okay. Okay. Um, the codex and the, and the, uh, um, the book one, two, three, or ABC, a Lille and me, a beginner's guide. Here's what I need. I need Nari. Can you make an intelligence check? And I need, I need Ebby to make a wisdom save. All right. Nari rolled an 11. Oof. Ebby rolled a four, but he's got a plus eight to his wisdom saves, so he got a twelve. But also, if you're within, if we're all in the same room, you probably get my plus three as well. That is true. Oh, I got a fifteen. Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> congratulations, Ebby. That is just enough. So, Nari, you're looking at this book. You're trying to make heads and tails of it. And, you know, you start to feel like you, you're you starting to get, like, the alphabet. Um, it doesn't really match up to Almerian or Ustranian. Wait, I um, thought it wasn't phonetic. Dude, I don't know I'm just, languages. Sorry, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> you there, is, there, is, there is an alphabet, but it's not... It's not any alphabet you'd recognize, right? It's not hieroglyphics <laughs> or anything, if that's what you mean by I'm phonetic. I'm just teasing you. Okay, anyway. So now are you starting to catch on? You're starting to feel like you, you're getting a grasp of some of the uh, of the alphabet and maybe starting to pick out a couple of symbols uh, of what they of what they might represent. But as far as figuring out what the words are, um, not so much yet. Um, Ebby, as you start to look at this book, ABC, Alil and Me, um, you suddenly get kind of a um, almost like a flash, like a, a bright burning right behind your eyes or what you call your eyes, your your orbital viewports, whatever they are, um, your flashlights, your flashlights. You, <laughs> there is a there is a searing flash of light, and for a split second, you feel yourself falling. You feel like you are going to fall into a black pit and lose yourself. But before that happens, it almost feels like you reach out with your hand. And you grab onto something strong and pull yourself back up and then poof, you're back in the room looking at this book. And as you are looking at this book, everything makes sense. Uh, as in you can read Allele. What? Nice. Yes. You're welcome for that plus three. that was clutch pine guys um before you say anything ebby um everybody else you guys saw ebby kind of just start looking at this book and he was still for gosh 10 12 minutes not saying anything now ebby for you it seemed much faster than that huh guys 
I can read it. I, I don't know how, but I can read it. Can I just start reading aloud from one of like the random book that was written in allele that we had pulled? Uh, um, <laughs> of course, <laughs> the one book I didn't write anything about. Okay, oh. <laughs> or or uh, the codex, whatever you have on hand is fine. I have the I have the crystal codex on hand. In fact, we'll say that because you had the book ABC allele and me open, and you had the crystal codex open to the title page, you look at the crystal codex and you can read what it says. It says. Of Crystals, Their Natural Properties and Artificial Uses, Volume 2, by Arnium Celadar, Royal Geomancer. And as you read that, you hear a voice in your head. What it says is, Always so formal. People must have thought me such an ass. Neum. Arnium. There is no response. Do, do you hear him now? <laughs> just for a moment if if ebby could smile he would be smiling right now ebby it looks like you're trying to smile but unable to <laughs> your face is doing a very weird twitch <laughs> uh, yeah your mouth just kind of hangs open ah um <laughs> for some reason i have i have the image of do you remember in uh punch out remember don flamenco when he would want you to punch me to go, rack, rack. <laughs> for some reason, I have that image of Abby in my head. Oh, my gosh. All right. Okay, so as you're looking at this book, you realize this book is written by someone named Arnium Celadar, the royal geomancer, whatever that means. Um, and it's full of information about the nature of crystals and their uses in all kinds of contraptions. Um, it's protected um, by a yellow crystal in the cover that multiple times you looked at and knew there was something off about this book. And now as you look at it, you realize that yellow crystal is actually a crystal of transmutation. And it has actually changed the structure of the book to make it impervious to wear and tear. Interesting. Yeah. I'll um, relay that, of course, to everybody just kind of describing all of this. Okay. So this book is very technical. As you kind of look through it, it's very technical. It's like a third grader trying to understand like an organic chemistry textbook. So what we're going to do for reading this book, if you want to spend time reading this book, you are going to roll a D10 twice and we will see what you manage to glean as you read it. Okay. So is that what you're going to be doing now for the evening? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. So I rolled a 10 and a 9. A 10 and a oh, 9. Wow. All right. Okay, so you're kind of flipping through looking at this book. And um, so we'll start with number nine. Um, so towards the end of one chapter, um, you can kind of see it's evident that he came back and added in the margins. Uh, and the note that he added in the margins, it says, the divine are on our side or are else apathetic. This is better than I could have hoped for. And as you read that, you hear a voice in your head and it says, now do it, get in there so I can start the countdown. Then there's a pause. What are you doing? Let me go. This is for you, not me. I have to start the process before the sword and shield are overrun. And then there's another pause. It's not your place to be the sacrifice. It's my responsibility. And another pause. You bastard, you beautiful, brave bastard. I'll make sure the world knows your name. So that's number nine. Number 10. 
after you have that thought uh, from Neum, it goes quiet again and you start searching through the book more. And after a little while longer, you you find that there is a, a hastily scrawled appendix that has been kind of included right near the end of the book. Uh, the appendix is called The Crystal Engine, and it features complex descriptions and diagrams of what must be a truly massive piece of tech. One diagram is quite clearly the crystalline disk in your possession. It's labeled as the key to the crystal engine. In red ink in the margin is written, fail safe. If we need the key, then I was wrong about everything. And as you are reading that, you hear Neem's voice again, and it says, a double-edged sword, this disc, this key. If all went according to plan, it would be best forgotten forever. But if I miscalculated, then it would be the only thing that saves us from ruin. Now the question, did it go according to plan or did I fail? Funny, I can't tell. And the voice goes quiet again. Just so you know, the vast majority of this book deals with contraptions and mechanisms, kind of their method of construction and their intended uses. These are just things that you've managed to glean as you're trying to cipher all of this complex data. Holy cow, Paul. Um, I'm going to relay to the group the information about the crystal engine and the key. And then I'll tell them that Neum kind of uttered those words in my mind, like the trick, you know, did it succeed or did it fail? It's difficult to, to say at this point. All right. Very good. Okay. And then you guys have now been reading for a few hours. In fact, we'll say it's, it's late into the night. You guys have gotten wrapped up in your studies. And so um, it's probably 10 o'clock. You can barely hear now as you kind of have stopped your studying rubbing your eyes you can barely hear music coming through the floorboards from downstairs um it's not nearly as good as tedward that's all i'll say um <laughs> how could it ever damn be? it <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys going to do at this point it has been a a full day of trying to read books when i hear ebby share what neem said um that kind of experience as he mentioned something about sword and shield right I believe so. Okay. I'll say, I found something about that in Jem's writings about the cult of inevitability. Interesting. Dealing with the sword and shield? Yeah, there's a depiction here. I wonder if it's... I wonder if it's the, um... The, the, the lady of... There's a lady of shield and a lord of sword? Well, there's a lord and lady of shields, and there's a lord and lady of swords. Well, I wonder if it, I wonder if it represents them in some capacity. Because you said the um, the divine are on our side, or at least indifferent. Hmm. This is very interesting. Indeed. I read a love story. <laughs> was it uh, good? Do you think I'd yes, like it? It actually was enjoyable, but I... Oh, I, now you're buttering me up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it helped with, with learning anything new, though. And Nari, how goes your research? Well, I can pick out a couple of these symbols, but I think that uh, Ebby definitely outshone me tonight. <laughs> um, honestly, I think I'm about ready for a midnight stroll in the, the gardens here soon. Yeah, let's go look for some roses. Here. Yeah. Now, um, 
Ebby, one thing that I wanted to do, I didn't explain uh, at first, but when you had that flash and you could read allele, it felt right. It felt like this is how it should have been all along. Like, not like you gained something new, but like you remembered something old. A familiarity to it in some way. Yes. In fact, just after reading it, you realize that now if you wanted to, you could speak allele as well. Very cool. Okay, so what are you guys going to do? Wait, we spent a whole day looking for a way to translate it, and you could speak it this whole time? <laughs> uh, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff just, like, stares at the ground and shakes his head. Uh, that's funny. Okay, so what are you guys going to do? What do you, where do you guys want to go? I think we're going through the park. Yeah, I'd like to go to the gardens. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to wear some not ostentatious clothing. So probably my normal traveling clothes. So I don't stand out too much. Yeah, some dark clothing. Are you guys going armed or not? Oh, yes, armed. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, I guess. Okay, you guys get changed up. You kind of... um wake up a little bit because, you know, studying for hours is a great way to put yourself to sleep. Um, and then you head back downstairs. Um, as you get down to the common room, you see that there is um, like a three person band that's playing and they're pretty good. They're much more like um, almost like dance music. And so they've cleared away all the tables and you see that there's people out dancing. There's some form to it for some people, but you can tell there's a lot of just drunken hopping around, um, which it seems like it might be fun to, to join in but you guys are on a mission. So you head out of the Imperial Splendor Inn and you head towards Eberly Park. Pine will, uh, Pine will chug a pint on his way out. Okay. As you guys approach Eberly Park, um, it is a, a large forested area. Um, it's Most of it is manicured. Uh, there's some trails that go through there so you can walk along some paths. You see, as you approach, you can see there's some Um, nice hedgerows and some bushes that seem to be um, well taken care of. You see that there are also a lot of like uh, bushes that are, that have lost other leaves for the, for the autumn and they are, um, they are now dormant, Um, but it still looks like it's well taken care of. Um, The grass is um, kept short. They must bring sheep in here or something to keep it uh, all down. Um, But as you approach, you see there's a fence around the park and there is a path leading into the park as well as um, some benches along the path. And even off to the left, there's a small stage, it looks like. So they might do like um, uh, like a little natural amphitheater type, uh, Shakespeare in the Park type of a thing. Um, there is, uh, the moon is shining. It is a clear night. Um, and so the moon is shining. So it's not pitch black, um, but it is, it is dark. Are there any plaques or anything that say like, taken care of by the Royal Garden Club or anything of that um, nature. You can go ahead and make an investigation check. You can head onto the park and make an investigation check. I'll be looking around with you. Cool. So Nari rolled a 10. So either Pine can make a roll or Nari can roll with advantage. Uh, roll with advantage. Okay. <laughs> I got a 10. I'm just really rolling mediocre tonight. Two 10s. That's a good omen. 
you're looking for a plaque. You don't see a plaque, but you do see like there is a like a, a little fountain with benches all around it for, you know, sitting around and, and you can actually hear the fountain is running right now. You can hear like the the, the trickle of water. Um, you see that there is like a curtain on the stage that kind of blocks the back of the stage to help kind of um, give a backdrop when people are up on stage acting. But now you don't see any plaques per se. There is like a sign um, that's still like in the street that says um, Eberly, uh, Eberly Gardens. Uh, and then there's like a sundial um, right as you enter the park. Okay, well, I think I would just kind of like to walk through the park, walk along the path um, and just see if I keep my eye out for any movement or anyone else around. Nori, where did you used to meet your contacts here? There was a clearing in the back, I believe, um, where I would meet Aaliyah Brava. Um, we can head that direction. Okay. As you guys head into the park, um, you start to walk along some of the paths. You see that there are different kind of areas that have different bushes and plants. Um, there is uh, even a little hedge maze in what, at one point. Um, it's not very big. Uh, you imagine it's probably for like children uh, to go and get lost in. You do, as you're walking through, you do see like couples snuggling up on benches with blankets and things, kind of enjoying this a dry night uh, for once. And um, as you are walking through, um, you guys get in about, oh, 100, maybe 150 feet into the park. So you are now uh, kind of back amongst some of these manicured trees and lawns. And you do see this, um, it's like a box on a post and there's a little lock on it. Hey, Paul, as we're passing one of those couples, uh, Pine will say, I'm terribly sorry to disturb you, but could you point the way to the roses? So they like look up from smooching and um, one of the guys, roses, they're, I don't know, all over? Whatever. <laughs> he goes back to smooching. All right. Um, Nari will walk up to that box and see if she can figure out what it is. Yeah. As you walk up to this box, you see um, that there is, it's about 10 inches on each side. Uh, there's a slit in the top. It looks like you can put money in there. And then there is like a symbol um, that is um, kind of uh, carved into the front of this box. And it looks like, um, it looks like uh, some kind of a fern. Uh, and uh, there's a lock that holds the top of the box shut. And then um, underneath it, you see that it is uh, carved. It says ACGG, which you can assume means Arkelvy City Guild of Gardeners. Okay. Um, yeah, Nari will pull out like five gold and just kind of drop it in there. Oh, that's a lot. It needs to be 69 silver. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> five silver. There you go. <laughs> um, and pop it in there. Yeah. Yeah. You hear it clink in there. There's other, you can hear that there's other coins inside. Yeah, there you go. There is a, as you look at this box, you see that there's carvings on all sides of it. Um, the one in the front looks like it's a fern. Um, and then there's other plants around the outside. Looking around, do I see any ferns nearby? Um, yeah, you see some ferns. Yeah. Okay. And then when you look at another side, you do see like um, there is a picture of like a pine cone and you see a pine tree nearby. And then there's a picture on another side of like a like a, a rose. And you see like some dead rose bushes nearby or not dead, but dormant rose bushes nearby. Um, you see a picture of a raspberry. And then as you look further away, you can see that there are some it looks like there are some like raspberry 
bushes that are strung up, but they're they're obviously dormant at this point of the year. Pine will uh, Pine will strike up a cigar and then uh, start heading toward the dormant rose bush. Okay, Ebby is going to kind of whisper to him and say, "Be kuramach," which is a for "Be careful." But I think he's broken. Be kuramach to you too, Ebby. You head over towards this rose bush. Um, you can see that it looks like it's been well taken care of, um, but you can tell it's a rose bush. You can still see some of the thorns and stuff on it. Um, but yeah, there is a, a rose bush here. And as you look around, you can see that there's other um, other different plants. And every once in a while, you see another rose bush. Jeff is going to discreetly guide Gigi to the lock on the deposit box and see if she can't pick it. Okay. Why don't you make a, um, make a slide of hand check? I uh, got a 12. Wait, I'm going to use an ability I haven't used yet. Hold on. Okay. Oh, oh man. I, uh, I get to add a 1d8 to that. Four. So 16 total. 16 total. Um, yeah, you know what? It's not a very complicated lock. It kind of springs uh, springs open, and uh, the, pop, the top kind of uh, is loose now. GG flitters back over to you and kind of uh, licks, your, licks your face. Not like a dog licks your yeah. face, but like a like a frog like sticks out its tongue and gets a gets a fly. Just kind of slaps your face with its tongue. <laughs> I'll plop her on the top of my head and and kind of whisper to the to the group and say, "I'm not stealing. I'm just trying to see if there's maybe a note inside or a button or anything of that nature." And I'll start okay. kind of you know poking through whatever's inside the box. Okay. Well, um, as you start looking around uh, inside the box, why don't you make an investigation check? Uh, Jeff got a 23 on investigation. Okay. As you look inside the box, you see um, a few silver, five silver to be exact. You see a lot of copper in there. There's actually two gold. Um, And then as you're kind of looking, nothing about the box in the inside actually um, catches your eye. It's as you're looking around the outside of the box and you look at this depiction of the rose it looks like the rose symbol has kind of triangles in kind of the four cardinal points, north, west, south, and east. And it looks like the the kind of triangle that would be pointing to the south is not carved, it's burned. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's actually burned onto the onto the box, not carved like the rest of the symbols are. Can I like press them? Can I press the three other ones that aren't burnt? You can. Yeah. It's just, it's just a carved, okay. carved wooden, uh, wooden symbols. And what about when, if I push the one, the part that's burnt in there? It feels different because it's not actually like carved away. It's just, it's just got a little bit of a dip to it as opposed to like a big scar from carving. Hmm. I can't believe you gave us another puzzle right after we <laughs> so <laughs> expertly solved the last one in record time. There, there is a triangle pointing south that is different than the other three triangles. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Which actually, which direction did Pine wander off to? Uh, you wandered off like to the east. Oh, you guys came in from the south of the park, actually. So the the arrow would be pointing back out of the park, like back toward. Uh, you said there was a sundial. Yeah, back towards the sundial. Okay. Well, should we go explore the sundial and? see if maybe there's another secret hidden there another clue that joff can figure out (laughs) i don't think i figured that last one out i think that was mr pine 
what? <laughs> He's like 20 feet away smoking his cigar. It's like, wait, what? What did I do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's head south. Okay. You guys uh, head back over. Basically, the arrow is pointing pretty much right back at the sundial. Um, as you guys are looking at the sundial, it's actually, I'm not even going to make you make checks now because you kind of know what you're looking for. You see that there are different symbols around the sundial, and one of the symbols you see is a rose. And as you look at this rose, it looks like it's kind of um, wilted a little bit. Um, and it again has those triangles around it. And the triangle pointing east is slightly longer than the other three. I guess we should head east? Looks like it. Unless we want to try pushing these buttons. <laughs> <laughs> so east will take you um, out under the streets, right? You're, you're not going to be in the park anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. okay. I think that's okay. I mean, yeah. Nari and the boys... You leave the sundial and head east into the streets of Arkelvy late at night, following what you hope are symbols that will lead you to a remnant of the Rose Syndicate. But that's where we're going to leave it for tonight. So thank you, everyone, for playing. I hope you guys enjoyed um, another episode of Book Learning and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and sitting around talking about stuff, but um, what are you talking about? This had every this had everything. This had um, voluptuous breasts. This had uh, full frontal nudity. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this had a perfect skipping rock. That's right. Or well, almost it, perfect skipping rock. A pretty good one. Pretty good one. Pretty pretty good one. All right. Well, hey, if you guys like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave us a review on um, the podcasting app that you use. It'll help other people find us so that we can uh, continue to grow and and uh, more people can enjoy what we're, what we're putting out. Anyway, uh, thanks again for listening and have a great night. <laughs>